SoFi has often been popping up on the list of top gainers or biggest movers in recent months. The stock price is up more than 5% on the day I'm researching the company. It's been up by more than 40% in the last three months and nearly 80% in the last six months. Can the company continue its upward trend and become a 100-bagger stock, giving us more than a 10,000% return in the years to come? Or is SoFi's growth stories only hype? There are two types of SoFi investors. Some investors believe it's a meme stock, which means a stock that is riding the market's hype cycle, beloved by retail investor communities like Reddit. For example, Roundhill's meme stock ETF has more than 4% of its fund allocated to SoFi. On the other side sit investors who believe that the company is shaping the future of financial technology. For example, ARK Invest's future of fintech ETF just picked up nearly 300,000 shares of SoFi. Which side is right and is SoFi a fundamentally solid company to give us a 10,000% return or are there big red flags and hidden risks that will bring the stock down and crashing sometime soon? Let's talk about that. I am Hodomer, founder and CEO of Stockcard, and on this channel, I share detailed fundamental analysis and interesting investment stories. I had always ignored SoFi. At some point, I assumed the business focused too much on student loans and didn't think it could scale to very large business. And another point, when the government put a hold on a student loan payments due to COVID-19 pandemic, I disregarded SoFi as a dead business. But in all honesty, I never fundamentally researched the company and the stock. So today, let's change that. So many of you on YouTube, Twitter, and the stock card platform have asked about SoFi. It is one of the top 10 most viewed stocks on the stock card. The most important question that grabbed my attention is whether SoFi is a possible 100-bagger stock because it is a legacy bank disruptor and is shaping the future of fintech. If that's true, then I cannot ignore SoFi anymore. So today I stopped speculating and fundamentally researched the company using our usual six-part framework. How the company makes money, its top and bottom line trends, noteworthy changes in the top and bottom line, balance sheet strength, ability to generate cash to reinvest the future, and current valuation and the feasibility of the company's stock price growing into that valuation. Visiting SoFi's website, the company comes across as a full-fledged financial service provider, offering loans, bank accounts, credit cards, insurance, and other financial products. However, looking at its financial statements, SoFi is still a lending company and makes most of its revenue from offering 
various loans and collecting interest on those loans from its members. The company also sells those loans to other financial institutions and collects revenue from the sale, or at least that's what it used to do before it stopped selling loans in Q1 2023. Based on my math, nearly 70% of SoFi's revenue is related to lending activities. The rest of its revenue comes from financial services like credit cards and insurance products and technology platforms that sell banking products to other financial institutions and companies. When talking about SoFi's revenue, we must discuss the big elephant in the room, the student loan business. SoFi started as a student loan platform and is still a leading student loan provider in the U.S. market. It focuses on high interest, mid to long-term student loans. Because the student loan payments and interest accumulation on the loans have been on hold since 2020 due to COVID-19 financial hardship and the government's student loan forgiveness program, there have been limited opportunities for SoFi to originate new loans or collect interest rates on the balances. Therefore, the company's stock price was negatively impacted for quite a while. Now, and partially, thanks to SoFi's legal actions, the student loan repayment is expected to resume in 2023, and interest rate accumulations are expected to start on outstanding balances. Therefore, the negative sentiment about SoFi is gradually evaporating. There is still a lot of argument about the timing of the student loan repayments and the loan forgiveness program. But investing in SoFi just because of its student loan program isn't a good case for long-term investment in SoFi. And long-term investors shouldn't worry about it too much. Let me tell you why. According to the company's CFO at the latest Morgan Stanley conference, the total addressable market for student loans that SoFi can access is about 200 billion in the loan amount. And SoFi already has a 60% market share in that category. The student loan market has no significant growth opportunity for SoFi's long-term investors looking for companies with rapid revenue growth and profitable operations. If all SoFi does is to return to its old student loan program, we should stop researching now. But the company has been clever and used the student loan hold period to transition its business to a one-stop shop platform for all money-related needs of its members. So the negative or positive sentiment around the student loan program is irrelevant to long-term investments, especially if you're looking for a company that shapes the future of fintech and can generate a significant return. The rest of SoFi's business, specifically its short-term high interest rate personal loans to members with high credit scores, other financial products such as bank accounts 
and its technology platform that serves other businesses with their banking infrastructure needs are more important to our long-term investment strategy in SoFi. Before we dig further in there, there is an immediate red flag here. For a small $8 billion company, SoFi is doing too many things. It issues loans, securitizes and sells those loans, offers various financial products and services to its members, and sells banking infrastructure. Each of those segments can be a full-fledged business by itself. I fear that lack of focus and doing too many things at the same time can be a double-edged sword for SoFi. On the positive side, it diversifies SoFi's revenue away from the complex lending and loan reselling business. But on the other side, on the negative side, it makes the business quite complex to run. Having that red flag in mind, let's now explore potential growth opportunities SoFi has created for itself by diversifying away from its student loan business. It has expanded into broader banking services by getting a national banking charter certification through a bank acquisition in the U.S. in 2022, and it offers banking infrastructure tech to other financial institutions and companies through acquiring the Galileo and Technosys platforms in 2022. These moves create at least three growth opportunities for SoFi. By becoming a bank, it can hold customers' deposits and use those deposits to offer more personal loans, growing its lending services and diversifying away from student loans. Secondly, according to the company's leadership, offering banking and financial products, such as investing and no-fee banking accounts, allows SoFi to acquire new members at a low cost and then sell them a loan, generating higher revenue. In the latest earnings report, we heard that the selling and marketing expenses ratio to revenue had decreased from 60% to about 51%, indicating higher user acquisition efficiency thanks to this halo effect of banking products on lending services. And lastly, in financial technology market, there is a trend toward making any company a financial services provider. For example, think of Uber offering bank accounts to its drivers or Shopify offering loans to its merchants. Those are examples of non-financial services company embedding financial services into their products. But not every company wants to build the infrastructure required to offer banking solutions. And instead, they need technology platforms such as SoFi's Galileo to quickly and efficiently offer those services to their own customers. This is commonly known as embedded finance, and its market is expected to grow by 32% per year in the next decade. This direction is potentially why ARK Invest's future of fintech ETF picked up shares of SoFi recently. So what does all this mean for SoFi's top line? 
there are positive trends and forces in the market to believe the company's revenue can grow in the years to come, even if the student loan segment doesn't return to its pre-COVID and low interest rate era. What about the bottom line? Let's pull up SoFi's stock card to continue our research. I leave a link to SoFi's stock card in the show notes in case you want to continue the research with me. If you've been with me for a while, you already know I built a stock card to help me and fundamental investors like me easily research and pick companies for the long term. If you are new around here, check out stockcard.io and look up your favorite stock or ETF ticker and see how intuitive and easy it is to research them on a stock card. Back to SoFi, on the bottom line, the company doesn't generate positive income and is still losing money. But the losses have shrunk to $34 million quarterly in Q1 2023 compared to negative $110 million in Q1 2022. Also, the company generates positive adjusted EBITDA. The adjustment comes from adding back stock-based compensation and amortization to the losses from operations. Those are positive improvements, assuming SoFi can continue to sell high-yield personal loans and expand its embedded finance tech platform business, we should see more profitable operations in near future. However, one red flag to be mindful of is that even though the company is steadily growing its banking products, evidenced by rapidly growing deposits by customers into SoFi's banking accounts, that business segment is making heavy losses. It's because SoFi offers high interest rate bank accounts and savings and checkings and charges no fee to attract new members. Assuming high interest rates stay around for a while, eventually bigger banks will catch up and SoFi may lose its deposits and member growth. We must monitor how well SoFi converts its banking customers to lending customers, turning them into profitable members before others catch up. Otherwise, the banking product division will become a profitability drag. Losing money makes us wonder about SoFi's balance sheet. Does it have enough cash to keep funding its loss-making operations? More importantly, does its balance sheet allow issuing more personal loans where the company still makes most of its money and revenue? As we dig into the financial statements, it's good to see SoFi has a solid balance sheet. It raised money through convertible notes in 2021 and now has more than $2 billion in cash on cash equivalents. Moreover, because the company has started accepting deposits into its bank accounts, it now has access to those deposits to improve its ability to issue new loans. The company has a fair balance sheet and the management doesn't believe it needs additional fundraising to continue funding its growth in the future. Despite management's take on its balance sheet though, 
because the business doesn't generate any free cash flow, it isn't too far-fetched to believe SoFi may need to raise additional capital or borrow money if things don't pan out as planned. For example, if deposit growth slows down or if SoFi needs capital to allocate to additional R&D expenses or to acquire new companies to shore up its tech platform side, it would need more capital. Moreover, there is an unlikely case that the regulators ask SoFi to use a different accounting methodology for its lending business. This topic has been a heated conversation between SoFi's bulls and bears, and regardless of your position in that fight, it makes sense to understand the risk. So far, because SoFi has been issuing and reselling its loans to other financial institutions, it didn't need to calculate any loss provisions in the loan values on its balance sheet. Typically, lenders who carry the loans on their balance sheet and don't sell them have to put 7% of the loan's values as loss provisions on their balance sheet. If SOFI is forced to follow a similar accounting methodology, the loss provisions will deplete its assets significantly, which may force the company to raise capital or borrow money to continue to fund its loans and unprofitable operations. This is primary reason a Wedbush analyst had recently downgraded SoFi and has caused the stock price to come down from its recent highs. SoFi didn't need to follow that methodology because it had always originated and then immediately sold those loans to other institutions. In Q1 2023, the company changed its approach and it's now holding onto its loans. Management argues it is because it generates a higher yield by holding onto the loans. The bears argue that it is holding onto the loans because other financial institutions aren't interested in buying high yield unsecured personal loan portfolio in the current economic conditions. According to the Wedbush analyst who downgraded SoFi, we can expect regulators to catch up and force that accounting methodology change on SoFi, which will result in reducing the value of SoFi's assets on the balance sheet, forcing it to raise capital and dilute investors. No one will know whether this will happen or not, but we cannot ignore its possibility as a red flag. We now know enough about SoFi's financials to discuss its valuation. But first, let's recap SoFi's fundamentals. The company is growing its members and revenue by offering diversified financial and lending products. It is expanding its reach into the embedded finance market to accelerate its revenue growth. However, the operations are still unprofitable. Also, there is the risk that other financial institutions will catch up to SoFi's no-fee, high-yield bank accounts and the company loses its main driver of member growth. 
SoFi has its eye on profitability and is already generating positive adjusted EBITDA. Whether the company can continue to grow its revenue and become profitable is heavily dependent on its ability to execute on its plans and continue to benefit from the halo effect of financial products and lending products and its ability to run its newly acquired B2B technology platform businesses flawlessly. Those are some big bets on the management's skills and execution abilities. On the balance sheet side, it has enough cash to continue its operations without capital concerns, even though any significant acquisition or R&D expenditure or possible regulatory interventions about its loan value calculation methodology may force the company to raise capital through diluting current investors or borrowing money in the future. It doesn't generate free cash flow yet, and that's another pressure on its balance sheet. There are many positive about SoFi and some red flags we just discussed, but can the company realistically become 10 times bigger by disrupting the legacy banks and leading the embedded finance market. It's time for valuation analysis. At five times price to sales ratio, investors believe SoFi can grow its revenue by five times, which means an 18% compounded annual growth rate in the next 10 years, all else equal. Is it possible? If SoFi was only in the lending business, 18% consistent annual revenue growth wouldn't be easy. If we believe the company can keep growing its financial product business, 18% annual growth may not be too difficult to believe. With about $2 billion annual revenue now and 5.6 million members, SoFi makes about $350 per member. If the company grows its members to the same 50 million members as Cash App by Block, the estimated revenue will be about $17 billion, eight times bigger than its current estimated annual revenue. I know there are a lot of assumptions involved and growing the membership base to 50 million similar to Cash App is a giant undertaking, but at least it gives us a sense of feasibility of its current valuation. There is a pass, even if it has low probability, that SoFi can grow its current valuation and even higher. Let's assume SoFi generates $17 billion revenue, which is not too far from Block's current revenue either, and it gets a two times price to sales valuation at that level. It can be a company with $34 billion in market cap. That means SoFi can be a four bagger, giving us 400% return. But that story I gave you is with the assumption that SoFi stays a tech company, builds its embedded finance business, and moves away from lending as its core business. If SoFi focuses on lending and banking, the price to sales and high growth valuation ratios 
won't be applicable to the stock anymore. Many argue because SoFi is a bank, the better valuation ratio is the company's price to book value, which is about 1.6 times on the day I'm researching the stock. And this is almost the same price to book valuation as JP Morgan Chase. So investors are already pricing SoFi the same as the biggest bank in the US. As a matter of fact, the stock has recently received a few valuation downgrades from financial analysts from Piper Sanders and Bank of America due to high valuation concerns. So whether SoFi is overvalued or undervalued depends on which direction you believe in. Is it a lending and banking business or a technology and banking infrastructure provider? I see many risks, especially short term, that can hinder SoFi from ever implementing its broader aspirations in embedded finance. I can also see the growth potential in that story if all goes well. But in business, as in life, you rarely get lucky for everything to go well. So this is one of those cases in which you can buy a small amount and monitor the company's track record in implementing its strategy. We are likely dealing with a volatile stock in the short term, especially if any news comes out about student loans, interest rates, regulatory interventions to force SoFi to change its accounting methodology and SoFi's ability to grow its B2B business. If the stock price goes down in response to those short-term news, we should return and redo our analysis to see whether the company is moving in the right direction. Those can be good buying opportunities assuming SoFi is on track to implement its banking infrastructure plans. After all, investing in big winners requires a lot of patience and monitoring. SoFi has a good direction and it's all about whether it can implement and execute its plans and deal with some of the short-term risks related to its lending business. See you next time.